everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of a Trophy Life podcast. I'm your host, Bob Rathbun, coming to you from Atlanta. And we are so excited. The awards are coming down to the wire. And this week, we announced the 2021 Naismith Women's and Men's Defensive Player of the Year semifinalists. It's down to 10 in both categories. Check out the names and follow their careers at NaismithAwards.com. Our Jersey Mike's news and notes, and we begin on the women's side. Wherever Debbie Antonelli is today listening to our podcast, I know she's jumping up and down, pumping her fist at that Maryland-Iowa game for the three-point explosion. Maryland won the game 111-93. Katie Benson of Maryland had nine threes, 29 points in the game. For Iowa, Caitlin Clark had nine threes, one shy of the Iowa record. The two teams combined for 32, and that equaled a Big Ten record. So a great offensive display, and congratulations, really, to both teams on the great shooting. Stanford won the women's Pac-12 title, clinching the regular season for the 24th time. And you might say, well, what's the news of that? Well, it's the first time for Stanford to win the Pac-12 regular season, since 2014. They did it when they knocked off Arizona at Maples this week. And kudos to the Georgia women. The Lady Dogs last week defeated Tennessee, and that means a sweep of the Lady Balls for the first time in 36 years. So congratulations to the Georgia women. On the men's side, the time of the year is here. The conference tournaments begin tonight as we record this on Thursday morning. The Horizon League starts their tournament play at campus sites this week. They will move on to Indianapolis for the semifinals and finals next week. Also on Wednesday, the number 20 Arkansas Razorbacks defeated number 6 Alabama 81-66. What made that noteworthy, not only is it a great win for the Razorbacks, and Alabama's been rolling in the SEC, but this is the first time that the Razorbacks have beaten a ranked team in Fayetteville in 23 years. Congratulations to Coach Musselman and the Razorbacks. Our Citizen What to Watch this weekend. Citizen, the official watch of the Naismith Awards. Citizen EcoDrive watches are sustainably powered by light and never need a battery. And our weekly rundown of big games, right, begins in the SEC with a women's battle pitting number five South Carolina at Texas A&M, ranked number three. That comes up Sunday at 2 p.m. on ESPN2. In the Big Ten, the focus on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Two key road games. They go to Michigan, to Ohio State on Sunday. The Buckeyes have to play at Michigan State. A wild, crazy Big Ten race continues. Every game is must-see. In the Big 12, this is the big one for Kansas. They get one more shot at a ranked team. It'll be Baylor. That's Saturday night at 8. And in the ACC, keep your eye on Florida State. This is a conference champion. Yes, they've been ranked pretty much all year. But this is a Florida State team that survived two stoppages due to COVID, and yet they continue to roll. They destroyed Miami on the road Wednesday. And Saturday afternoon at 4, the Seminoles go to Chapel Hill to take on North Carolina. Tar Heels dropping that game in midweek, sort of a hastily arranged game with Marquette. So they're looking to bounce back, and Florida State's a very tough opponent. Keep your eye on that game. That's Saturday in the ACC. My guest this week is the head coach at the University of Virginia, Tony Bennett. He's one of four men's coaches to win the Warner Ladder Men's Collegiate Coach of the Year Award multiple times, joining Mike Krzyzewski, John Calipari, and Jay Wright. And only Cal and Tony have won it at multiple schools. Uh, 
interesting discussion that we recorded on Monday of this week, and I think you'll find it very insightful. We'll hear from Coach Bennett right after this from Jersey Mike's. Good things come to those who wait. At Jersey Mike's, they also come to those who don't. Download our app, order ahead, and skip the line. Cut to the Chase by Jersey Mike's. Be a sub above. Well, we are absolutely thrilled to have with us the head coach of the University of Virginia, Tony Bennett, joining us on the Trophy Life podcast this week. Coach, thank you so much for taking time at a crazy time of the year. How are you? How is everybody getting through this pandemic? Oh, I'm well, Bob. Thanks for asking. And look, anytime. Our, our history, your, your mind goes way back from my days when I you called our games and I was playing um, with the Charlotte Hornets and uh, just even through the years in the ACC. And just to be affiliated with you guys, anything affiliated with the Naismith, Dr. Naismith's name and, and the good that you guys do and, and what he's done and, and just, um, I don't know, just the character that's represented. I'm honored to be a part of it. Look forward to talking to you. Well, thank you, sir. And uh, we're so proud of you, of course, as a two-time Warner Ladder National Coach of the Year at Washington State and, of course, at Virginia. So we wanted to catch up with you and find out how things are going because, you know, we see the wins and losses, of course, but uh, everybody is going through such an unusual year. Um, it's coming to its end. You know, we're just weeks away from uh, Selection Sunday and going to the big dance. The ACC tournament, of course, is still scheduled for Greensboro. What's it been like, Tony, for you uh, and, and your your players, your parents, uh, the institution? This has been something else. Yeah, I think it's, you know, there's, first of all, you find joy in the competition and the ability. We've had a couple pauses and some things that have been unfortunate. But, you know, overall, we've gotten to practice. We, we've had the privilege to compete. So you, you find joy in that and you give thanks for that. There's still the ups and downs of, you know, when it's going well, when it's not. That That's whether pandemic or no pandemic, that's just this profession and coaching. But probably the biggest difference, I think, is, it's just a bit more disconnected. You know, you don't have quite as much of the, the connection with your players off the court. You have to be a little more guarded with how much time together. It doesn't mean you can't be close. Um, and I think their experience, you know, probably the coaches is it's different, but manageable and not quite as severe. The players and the student athletes, you know, they're so used to being able to engage off the court, enjoy the company of their classmates and hang out, go to restaurants. And that, that's that been um, a more restrictive. And I think just you feel a little more disconnected. And I try to tell our guys, hey, isolation and solitude are not bad things. You know, in, in your society growing up, they're so used to being social, being around. I said, so try to use it to grow and learn in the areas of solitude because you have more of it than you're, you're used to. No doubt about that. What's it been like playing without fans? Yeah, that's that's different. Um, you know, you, you obviously play because there's there's still you get in the game and it's still about competition. But we just played Duke and unfortunately lost by one. Um, and you know, you talk about a different atmosphere going into there. And the same with us. You know, we've thankfully you know had some good success and we've we've got our place sold out. So you're playing in front of fourteen five. Every game, we got 4,000 people on the wait list. The Dukes, the places, Carolina, you go to these venues, and it's just such a different feel. So, 
you know, generating energy from your bench, your team, all those things are there. And that's another piece I feel bad for some of the young men or the, especially the guys in their last years that, um, the, the crowd, you know, even mm-hmm. in the tournaments and things like that, it's just, that part is different. Now, again, the game's still enjoyable, it's still intense, but there is a different element for sure. Have you noticed that the games are officiated differently? Ah, good question. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't think so. I think, you know, the refs, they're all, everybody's trying to do their good job, just like playing. I mean, sometimes there's there's emotion and it gets intense and, and all that, um, but I think for the most part, I think it's pretty good. Um, I, you know, human nature, probably when a crowd is going crazy or emotions are flying high, maybe there's a few more things that can happen, but... But I think most of the experienced guys as, as refs and coaches and players, like they, they operate at fairly the same level, pretty much the same. Tony, no conversation with you would be complete without mentioning your dad, Dick. Of course, uh, for basketball fans, we've seen and loved this connection through the years. How is your dad doing? I'm doing well. He, um, you know, still waiting for his vaccination. So that part I'm hoping he gets sooner than later, but he's doing well. And uh, he's had such a huge impact on my life and in shaping what I believe about the game. And obviously as a, as a young man and uh, now older man, I should say, but you know, his beliefs, his faith, the things that he subscribes to are, are so in line with you know, I think when I think of Coach Wooden and I think of Dr. Naismith, you know, men that loved the game, tried to instill um, values of, of character, of faith, and and impacting through the game beyond the game into relationships and influencing young men. And that that's what I'm so grateful for, being, you know, his son, being, you know, I guess mentored under him and, and being around the game. And you come from such a basketball family. It's just not your dad, your siblings. Yeah, for sure. My sister, she coached in Indiana. Oshkosh, she's so successful. My uncle, uh, my cousin coaches. No, it's, I, you know, like a lot of coaches, kids, um, you just grow up knowing it and, and loving it and hating it all in one and, and then following into the business and trying to do well. So I'm talking about coaching. I'm reading Nick Nurse's book, Rapture, which was a summation of his life in basketball and of course, the Raptors winning the championship the same year you guys win the national championship at Virginia. And I'm reading and I'm reading, and he's going over his playing days at Northern Iowa. Then in the book, here is a picture of you guarding Nick. You're playing for Wisconsin Green Bay, of course. He's playing for Northern Iowa. And I'm looking at this picture, and I'm thinking, wow, a national championship coach, an NBA championship coach, a guy who's won the Naismith Coach of the Year twice, an NBA Coach of the Year, guarding each other in this photo. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> hey, when that photo was snapped, I don't think anyone have, would have uh, forecasted that. But uh, as I like, there's a, there's a great verse, many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord directs his steps. And we've both been blessed beyond uh, what we deserve. And I got to take a little issue of that picture. I think if I remember, if it's the one I haven't seen it, but – I think Nick looks a little bigger, and I'm kind of cowering down, guarding <laughs> him. And I think he made me look like, you know, what's going on? So I, I got to talk to him about that. But no, that uh, look, both of our both of our careers. Oh my gosh, you know what what a journey! I look forward to, you know, hearing about that book, reading it. But yeah, that was. Uh, I remember he sent me that picture 
when we were either in our run in the Final Four or when they were coaching. I can't remember, and I just laugh because I do remember they had good teams. He was you talk about a competitor, but they had good teams at Northern Iowa, and then I was at Wisconsin Green Bay. We had that was some good, whatever you want to call it, mid-major basketball, really good. Excellent. I want to ask you about you've coached so many great players at Virginia and down through the years, but one in particular. Uh, of course, he's here in Atlanta, and that, of course, uh, piques our interest. But uh, tell us about uh, DeAndre Hunter. We have watched him blossom, uh, Tony, into an NBA star, really, in his second year, sadly out with injury right now. But he's a guy that you had, and, you know, it's interesting, a, a guy who's a lottery pick, and, and particularly one that goes that high, rarely do you see a kid uh, that was a redshirt. Uh, and that, of course, was DeAndre, and then two years of playing for you. Tell us a little bit about his backstory and what makes him such a, such a special human being. Yeah, now, even before I mention him, you know, I have Malcolm Brogdon, who's from Atlanta. Yes. And redshirted as well with an injury. But, but to DeAndre, first of all, DeAndre, this will sound strange what I'm going to tell you, but um, he's... What I love about him, he's kind. You know, and it's like, well, that's not an NBA star, but he's a kind young man. He he cares. He he just has a way about him. And the first time I saw him, I thought, man, what what a good guy. And I, I'm so thankful I got to coach him. And his story is different because he came in, and we were excited to get him. He wasn't super highly touted. We saw him late, um, but. You know, when I he had a, an ankle sprain, and I didn't know how much he'd play in his first year, and I said, look, I think what might be in best interest for you is to redshirt this year, develop, just like I used Malcolm as an example. And, you know, of course he wanted to play, but he did it. And he was patient, and he went to work in that year that he redshirted. And then he had a great, you know, I guess second year in program, his first year, and of course then in the, the his his sophomore year, but you know his redshirt sophomore year, we won the national championship, and he just kept improving. But he stayed patient. You know, he didn't have instant gratification. Even his first year, he kind of was back and forth. And um, I just love that story because he's so gifted. He he found a way to improve his game. He bought into being a great defensive player, multiple positions, and. And at times he played the perimeter, and sometimes he played the four for us. And um, as I said, he's a humble young man, and he's just scratching the surface. And uh, like I, I, I'll end how I started, he's kind, and that's yeah. a that's a great quality. Tony, we'll wrap it up on this. I think everyone that follows a game knows what you all went through, and DeAndre, of course, was a part of that. And that, of course, is the the big upset. Uh, the 16 beating a one and then going on the next year to claim the national championship. And my question is this, what did you learn from that experience that you can apply to life's lessons more as much as coaching, because that was a stunning loss. And then to do something that so few get to do, and that's cut down the nets as a national champion. Yeah, no, it was, you know, when, when you're humbled like that, Bob, it, it it refines you and it makes you realize you, you have to step back and say, okay, what really matters? And and I had to ask myself, you know, I told our team, and we, we it's funny you asked that question, we had each guy sit down, we call it a chair exercise, but at the start of that season and said, what did, after we lost to UMBC, what did this loss teach you? And they had to answer it, you know, before we kind of owned it. 
And for me, it made me step back and it, it, boy, it created a burning fire in me to try to coach better. And it made me want to win a championship, get to a final four. All those things were there and they were significant. And I think it, it stoked that fire. But even more important than that, it made me realize that, you know, if I never coach to a final four, a team, if I get fired someday, if I can't do it, I'm still going to be okay. Because when you have a hard time like that, you realize, man, the relationships you have with your players, the love of your family, my faith, that is a perspective beyond, um, you know, being humbled and losing as a one seed for the first time or not having a successful career. And I learned it almost, I allowed to just kind of let it go. And it freed me up actually, I think, to grow closer to the players and to coach better. And that's a lesson you couldn't learn without going through something that I probably wouldn't want to go through. But um, it, it just refined that focus and um, freed me up in a way that um, was good. And, and then, to obviously, to experience the blessing of, of winning it. They were both humbling in different ways. When both happened, I'm like, Lord, I'm humbled. Why is this happening? <laughs> you know, they just were different experiences. <laughs> but that's the reality of it. So um, I appreciate you asking that question because it, it, a lot of soul searching for sure. Well, Tony, thanks so much for your time. We know it's a very busy day and week as you're getting ready to come down the stretch, but we, we appreciate your time. Good luck to you, the Cavaliers, and we'll be watching, of course, every second the rest of the way. So best of luck. Well, thank you, and, and I'll say go Hawks because of DeAndre. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Appreciate it. Hey, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for joining us and downloading. And make sure that you rate and review us. That helps us get the word out. We want to improve this for college basketball fans everywhere, men's and women's. So we appreciate you listening and taking time to give us those five stars. And that'll do it for this week. Next week, we have the one and only Joe Lunardi. Yes, he will be here. We'll be talking bracketology as we get set for Selection Sunday. All that next week. Thanks for joining us from Atlanta. From all of us at the Naismith Awards, Bob Rathman saying so long.